open up in prayer. Father, we thank, are just thankful for your safety and your provisions. And even though there's, there's some damage, it's uh, storms like that are just a reminder of who's in control. And uh, Lord, you're, we're just in awe when we hear the thunder and see the lightning and, and just part of your creation that you control. Uh, but thank you for watching over us. And uh, we take it for granted even having coolness in the auditorium here today. And thank you for air conditioning and all the other things that you've allowed us to have. Lord, I pray for all parts of our services today, for Sunday school classes going on, that the word would go out. We'd have good fellowship. And and, uh, Lord, just bless this time now that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we're about halfway through the One Another series, so I don't know how many more weeks we have, maybe four or five, something like that. I don't have them on all my lessons mapped out. And even if I did, last week I thought I had material for just the one lesson, and I ended up having plenty to carry over for today. So, uh, And that's, that's just fine. We had a lot of good discussion last week. So we'll get right into it. We're just, we'll finish up the, the verses on loving one another, which is probably the major part of what we've been going through. We'll start out with 1 John 1, 5 through 7. Can I get somebody to, to volunteer to read that for me? Yeah, Mac. Good, thank you. I went over First John a number of years ago, and I think Vince, you went through it. Um, one of my favorite books um, in the Bible. They oftentimes will say, "Read John if you want to, you know, have somebody learn about uh, Christ." And First John is great for assurance of salvation. So sometimes we'll steer people who are believers, maybe having some doubts, to read through First John. Uh, he does a good job of kind of pointing out the. You might say the good versus the evil almost, uh, the darkness and the light, the contrast of whether you're in the faith or not of the faith. So we'll see just a couple of those verses here this morning. John was probably in his 80s when he wrote this, and I'm not going to go into all the background with this, but since it's at the beginning of the chapter, just a few statements of background. Um, Let's see, the church had already faced challenges with legalism in the church, And John was now addressing a second threat that arose, and this was called Gnosticism. And again, the Gnostics believed there were many false teachers at that time. So a lot of the things, if you look at the first chapter especially, you see what what we have seen, what we have touched, what we have observed. He used a lot of the senses, because part of what the Gnostics believed was is that the physical was was evil, really, and, and there were some issues there. They, they, I'll just read a couple of things. Gnostics believed anything done in the body, even the grossest sin, has no meaning because the real life exists in the spirit realm only. Gnostics claimed to possess a higher knowledge, not from the Bible, but acquired on some mystical higher plane of existence. They also believed that Jesus' body was not real, but only seemed to be physical and that his spirit descended upon him at his baptism, but left him just before his crucifixion. So as you think about when John's saying all of these and using these senses, 
it's kind of hard to argue that point. And I think that maybe who he's addressing was the Gnostics. If you were here a couple of Wednesday nights ago, this is a little bit of a repeat, so I apologize on that. But, um, but anyway, that's where he's coming from. So when we start with verse 5, and it says, This is the message which we have heard. We declare that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I think he's really, the first four verses, we're hitting those senses to dispute some of the Gnostic thinking a little bit. Um, John declares again, um, what he is saying came from God, and he is purely the messenger. He had already declared that he was the first-hand witness, and that God, through Christ, was giving him this message to share. It validated the apostles, really, is what it was doing. It was validating their authority. But we know that God is light. That's a common theme in the Bible. Uh, when it says he is light, he is holy. That's another word for that. There's no sin in him. God's not capable of entertaining any sin. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In verses 6, 8, and 10, John starts out by saying, if we say, then here's the repercussions on that, right? So he's contrasting our words and our actions. Um, Here he's saying, if we say that we're believers, which is our basis of fellowship, but yet we live in sin, we are liars. We are not practicing the truth. And uh, really, he's making a big claim saying, you're not a believer. If this is, this is how you're acting, this is, you're out of, out of faith. Uh, you are not a believer. So he's hitting them pretty hard. Um, again, it could be a slant towards the Gnostics, but it really applies to us today. Um, I've heard people say, you know, if you're going to go out and live like the world, please don't come in into the church or say that you're from our church or say that you're a believer. Because your words and actions are important, aren't they? Uh, they need to match up, and that's his challenge here. Verse 7, but if we walk in light as he is in the light, and here's our one another verse, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what is the basis of fellowship with one another? Walking, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think I've been to a couple of different different churches as, as I've grown up here and when I was growing up at Valley View and Antioch and uh, Bible Baptist in Kansas City. But, you know, when you go into another church where there's fellow believers, isn't there a camaraderie already? There's a common denominator that you can say, hey, I can sit down and have fellowship with you. Um, I'd have to believe, I know some of you are at church camp. Would you say that's true? This week that you were there, you... Kind of knew, knew going in that they were believers, but there's a sense that says, hey, I can sit down and have sweet fellowship with you. It's not on the basis of what anybody knows, but it's the basis of our faith. And, and so you have the local church, and yet you have the universal church. And I think that that's, you know, that's a good thing. But our, our standard is to have fellowship one another is because we have faith in the same Jesus Christ. And that is what unifies us as believers. But he says, if we walk in light as he is in the light, we do have that sweet fellowship with one another. Why? Because we have that sweet fellowship with with Christ himself. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. I can't help but think, you know, a lot of times we've been talking through this series of uh, 
you know, be holy, have a walk that's right with the Lord. And I think this kind of just summarizes that. If we walk in the light, if our walk, if our actions are consistent with our talk, here's the result. We have that sweet fellowship with one another. So I think it's very important that we have a a life that is pleasing to him. Any comments on these verses? You're going to be quiet this week, aren't you? Last week we had some good discussion. I'll just let you get warmed up. All right, let's go into the next verse then. 1 John 3, 10 through 11. Can I get somebody to read those verses for us? While we're at it, I'll add 14 in there too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, 10 and 11 and read 14 as well. Good, thank you. So, what's the two camps that he's, that uh, John is pointing out here? You're either children of God or children of the devil. How many people in this world do you think have that view? One? Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to see what's the, what's the world's opinion. Would they would they agree with that verse? No. Yeah. Of course not. And, and what are some of the thoughts that they would have on that? Uh, and then in the end, we all go to heaven. Yeah, probably. Probably. Tom, you had your hand up, and then John. <laughs> right. Right. No. John, you had a comment. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's kind of what's the basis that you're basing your truth on, isn't it? So for us, we say the Bible is our truth, and that that equates to some narrow narrow mindedness that, from the world's perspective, may say, "Yeah, you're not very loving over here." And yet, we've talked about this before in some of the unity that we need to have. We're unified around biblical things, not around what the world says. You can be unified around anything. But I think we saw before in the verse we just went over, our fellowship is one another. Why? Because 
It's the blood of Christ. That's our central point of view as far as our unification as a believer. And, um, yeah, the world has a lot of unity, uh, but it's around things that are, are not truth for sure. So that is right. So here we're seeing um, what is clear is the consistent message is that we're to love one another. Love is a fundamental trait and characteristic of a believer. We saw that even from the start of uh, our, our discussion on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love was the first item. Love is, is a habitual characteristic. We are to walk in love, and it's also a proof that one has truly been born again. Again, loving someone does not say, now I am a believer, but we love because we are a believer. And the Holy Spirit gives us that power to love, to love the people you want to, but also love the unlovable sometimes, right? And so we have to, we have to think about the bigger picture in that. And the Holy Spirit allows us to do so. Again, in uh, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, again, it's, it's some of the similar things as what we've been talking about. Loving one another is a sign that you are of, of the truth, of God. All right, that's about all I had on these verses. Anybody have anything else? Go on to the next set. It gets to be a consistent message. But I'm thankful that the word is consistent, that we don't have to try to wrestle with things and say, well, it doesn't mean this over here, but it does over here. No, it's, it's pretty clear. Love one another means love one another, <laughs> pretty much throughout. All right, can I get somebody to read these verses, verse 16 and then 23 through 24? Likes to read. Thanks. Welcome back, too. Did you have a good trip? Oh, yeah. a lot of, walked a lot of miles in high altitude? Good. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Did you get through it? Very good. Yeah. I probably should make it a little bit bigger font next time. Yeah. Now you can do the other eye, and there you go. Well, again, it's a similar theme. We've seen this message in John 13, 34, and 15, 12. It says that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Christ is our great example. Is that agape, selfless love. And that's a consistent theme throughout. Um, in this case, uh, he gave his life for us again, and that's the benchmark. Um, so let's keep looking at verse 23. I think that's a consistent theme. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And here's the one another section, and love one another, as he gave us his commandment. Uh, and we see again verse 23 and 24 go together in thought. Um, 
there's three features of this epistle. It's believing, loving, and obeying. Verse 16 defines what Jesus did in that he died for us. And verse 23 says to believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, which refers back to the salvation message that we saw in verse 16. And at 23 also says to love one another and to obey his commandments. Again, similar themes that we have seen. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Again, the other benefit of love is the abiding presence and empowering of the Holy Spirit. He is our seal and our source of love and the fruit of the Spirit. We abide in Christ and he abides in us. But again, it's a consistent message to love one another. And I know we could get, get into a lot more detail in these verses. Just for the sake of time, I'm kind of honing in on that love one another section here. But uh, anyone have any additional comments? Sure. Yeah. Good question. Yes. right. So Vince, we kind of talked about, you know, the world sees that scale that says if I do enough good, it outweighs the bad. I think what you said is you just set the baseline, right? Christ's death on the cross, um, that's a high mark. Are we, I mean, we're not sinless for one, so we can't even meet that mark. But from the world, that's kind of that high mark. If you're not even willing to help somebody, um, it's, it's for nothing. But as believers, we ought to give selflessly. Uh, And I think that's your point as well. Yeah. Right. Yes, it is. Yep. Yep. Any other comments? John, are you volunteering to help with trees over here? Is that what you... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anything else? All right, we'll go on to the next one. First John 4, 7 through 13. Can I get somebody to read those verses loud for us?
John, thank you. Any of them have a melody going on in their mind after reading those verses? Yeah, you need to break out and sing sing that song. But uh, it's good good ver- words to, to live by and to sing. And it's biblical to sing those words as well. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another. Again, three times here. It's a consistent theme again. And John was very clear uh, in his thoughts around loving one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Um, when I taught out of 1 John, I used some material from Stephen Cole, and I think I read this this one Wednesday night. But I, I always love this uh, comment, so bear with me if you've heard it before. But it's a good one. Um, he says, The church father Jerome said when the apostle John was in his extreme old age, he was so weak that he had to be carried into the church meetings. At the end of the meeting, he would be helped to his feet to give a word of exhortation to the church. Invariably, he would repeat, Little children, let us love one another. The disciples began to grow weary of the same words every time, and they finally asked him why he always said the same thing over and over. And his reply was, Because it is the Lord's commandment, and if this only is done, it is enough. So I thought that was a good, good word, and uh, we see that being repeated by John. God is the essence of love. It is in his nature. Um, love originates from God. Loving others is a result of loving God. And again, God is love. That verse, I have just one more text to read here. G.S. Barrett calls them those three words, God is love, the greatest words ever spoken in human speech, the greatest words in the whole Bible. It is impossible to suggest, even in briefest outline, all that these words contain. For no human and no created intellect has ever or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning. But we may reverently say that this one sentence concerning God contains the key to all God's works and way. The mystery of all creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. And I think that's another good word. Um, In verse 8, again, the the opposite is true, um, where we see he who does not love does not know God. So we said evidence of one that does know God and the evidence of one that does not know God, right? Our pattern of living as believers should be one of loving God. Verse 9, and this is the love of God was manifest to us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Um, 
his only begotten son is Jesus is one of a kind. He's unique. He's holy. He's sinless. And Jesus took our sins on the cross. Jesus was manifest in human form. Um, and he was still fully deity. Uh, Jesus was put into the world, which was sinful. He left heaven to come to a sinful world. Why? That we might live through him. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again here, John is saying that one of the ways that we live through Christ is by showing his love to others. We need to show that love, Christ's love, to the wicked world that crucified the Son of God. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, that word propitiation in First uh, John 2, 2 uses the same word, and it's defined as an appeasement or satisfaction. And the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross satisfied the demands of God's holiness for the punishment of sin. And that word actually traces its root back to the mercy seat of Christ. Christ literally became our mercy seat, like the one in the Holy of Holies, where the high priest scattered splattered the blood of the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. Christ did this when his blood spilled on behalf of others. It satisfied the demands of God's holy justice and wrath against sin. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 11, this is where another one of the one another's, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John, you said this, it's kind of a commandment. Ought is not something that we should do, but it's a command. It's We are commanded to love one another. It's really not an option as, as believers. We are to love one another. It's not an optional thing. And that means we love the difficult people, we love our enemies, um, Includes everybody. <laughs> There's no, nobody that's not in, included in that. And that can be a challenging event, can it, to love one another? But we are called to do so. And finally, in verse 12, no one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Again, nobody's seen God, but we certainly see the, the repercussions of his life. We have his word that he gave to the apostles and in turn to us. Um, John is definitely has uh, experience and is, is saying, though, that he did see God, again, kind of to refute the Gnostics. So there was a lot of people that could say, I, I'm, I'm right with John, and I saw Jesus. I touched him. I saw him. The world does see and read the lives of Christians, and that's where you and I and our actions and our, you know, our walk and our talk should match up, right? The world sees how we interact with one another. And as it says in verse 12, if we love one another, but that really if should say we are loving one another, and they see that in action, which is, which is a key. Love is the heart of Christian witness, and love originates from the Holy Spirit, Love is the outward evidence for the believer of their assurance. So I think that sums up a lot of those verses that we've just looked at so far. Any, any comments, questions?
I think it's both. It's, you know, at, at salvation, we are full, right? We have all the Holy Spirit. He is manifest in us. But yet, in sanctification, we need to continue to live, you know, and, and lead a life that's pleasing to him. But I think in Christ, we are full. We are complete. So that's, that's what I would think. Any other comments out there with that? Is that what you were thinking along that line, Tom? Keith. Um, I also think, you know, when you, when you think about forgiving one another, um, you know, there are some people that maybe rub us the wrong way. Uh, they're not always the most pleasant. It doesn't mean that you have to hang around them all the time and do things like that, too. You know, we are to forgive them. But, you know, if there's somebody that's just constantly it's wearing, <laughs> I don't know how else to say that, it's, you don't have to be perfect buddies with them either, you know. So I think, I think there are some things you can do to keep your own health, uh, mind healthy, and still love them, forgive them, but it doesn't mean that you have to be with them 24-7. Does that make sense? John. And I, I don't know, I see people, I mean, myself, and I see Pastor Dwight, and, you know, Pastor Doug, my brother-in-law, and others. It seems like as you get older and mature in the Lord, you, you tend, at least I think I see more grace being demonstrated in one's life. And I think that goes back to loving one another. Instead of maybe having that critical spirit always, you show grace to one another. You don't jump the gun thinking the worst of somebody but maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt you you do show grace and i think that's part of love as well mac
Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to bring. Well, go ahead, and then I'll give you another comment. Right. James kind of says that as well, right? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I was going to even bring up, and, and I, I can't help but think if, if he's not weaving this in a little bit, targeting at the current, uh, uh, the context of the day with the Gnostics who did not believe in the Bible, did not believe in Christ, you know, physical being. But, you know, one of the things I said was that they sought out um, a higher plane of existence, that mystical awareness. And I'm wondering if John isn't also refuting Folks, you don't need to go anyplace else. It's not the, the Plato and all the, the other things. You are complete. The word is complete. And I have to wonder if he's not kind of reminding them of that fact. There is no more higher being or higher power. You know, you have everything that you need, like you said. We think about it. We, we receive the Holy Spirit. First John is written so that we can have assurance of salvation. But I also think... You know, the Holy Spirit um, convicts us, but also enables us. And so when you think about it, we have all the tools to love, to show love to one another, not because of our own capabilities, but because Christ has given us the Holy Spirit in our lives and enables us to do those things. All right, any other thoughts? Jim? Okay. Yeah. Not reciprocal, is it? Yeah. Right. Kind of goes back to that whole love your enemy. Enemies probably not figuring out why would you give me some meals or some food or something else, right? It's it's, it's kind of contrary. So, yep, nope, you're right. Okay, let's go on to the last verse here that I had for today. Second John 1, 4 through 6. Can I get somebody to read that verse, those verses for us? Perk, thank you. Very good, thank you. Again, there's a little controversy here, and is John writing to a lady or to churches? I'm not going to get into that. I tend to just think, probably just says, I'm going to take it for what it says to the lady. 
So I'm just going to say that up front, but you may have a difference of opinion on that. But I think, again, it's a very consistent um, message here, right? Um, I rejoiced that I have found some of your children walking in truth. We do rejoice when we see our children, our nephews, nieces, other people in the church, when they walk with the Lord, don't we? We rejoice with that. Um, and again, the pleading here is that we love one another. Um, consistent message. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So there was a consistent message here. They heard the commandments to love from Jesus and from his disciples. They heard this message all during when Christ was on the earth. Now we have the word of God to also proclaim that to us, to love one another. We're instructed to walk in love, and it should be a pattern of living for the believer. Again, walking relates to consistently demonstrating a life of obedience to the truth. I just wrote down three words. It's direction, not perfection. You know, we, we don't want to dwell on when we mess up. We want to get right with the Lord. We want to have that life, though, that is continuing to walk with the Lord and in that, that direction. So really, this is summed up a lot of what we have covered so far with the love one another. I think we got through all 29 sections that I had identified pretty much. So we'll get into, I could get into the next section, but I think I might just wrap up just a little bit, a few minutes early here. And we'll hold joy and long-suffering off until next week. So any last comments on loving one another? Everyone have that nailed down in their life? We're all good? All right. What's that? Yeah, yeah. If we had a pop quiz, we'd say, what, what's our motive in life if we're saved? It's to love one another. So it could be a couple of easy, easy words. It's probably like the uh, children's moment. You know, usually you were... You could say either Jesus, God, or, or the cross and probably be 90% sure you're going to get the right answer. In my class here now this morning, we'd say, what's the chief prime thing? To love one another. So, pretty easy. All right, any last comments from anybody? Well, as John said, let us love one another. So, how's that for the week? It's a good, good thought. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer a few minutes early. Father, we are thankful that we do show love to one another, and I pray that in our lives that we would continue to be burdened to do so. Uh, the Spirit interacts with us and, and convicts us of sin, but also prods us to take action at times, to help someone, to show love to somebody, maybe to show love to someone that's not as lovable. Um, but yet, Lord, you've asked us to do those things and, and to carry that out in the church, and we do so because you have done that for us. You gave your life, and I'm so thankful for that, that we can have salvation through Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, we pray for um, uh, all parts of our service. We pray that uh, you just empower Dwight just to, to bring the message that he's diligently studied and prepared, and, and that we'd be attentive. Uh, again, Lord, just thank you for our, our body. We also pray for all things with the, the material things that we're that are in play with uh, potentially moving to the new location. We pray that you'd continue to work all of those details out, and we look forward to what you have in store for us.
Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everyone.